0: Welcome to less only more loved a podcast series from the young adult ministries here at saint mark united methodist church of atlanta here we are ordinary people exploring our queries of faith and we are beginning with an advent series where we are talking about the season that leads up to christmas and into the christmas tide this is a season of waiting a season of watching for the imminent birth of jesus into our world and there's a lot that goes on in the month of advent But if you have been a person who has attended church for any length of time, you know that we celebrate the Advent season by marking the time with four candles, the candle of hope, of joy, of peace, and of love. And so throughout the next couple of weeks, we are going to be marking the weeks by talking about hope, joy, peace, and love. And so today, in order to join me talking about the theme of hope, Is Amber Stewart. Hello. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. We're brand new to doing this and so it's going to be a lot of fun to get into it together. But Amber, one of the things that I think about when I think about Advent is immediately putting up my Christmas tree, immediately decking the halls, Mm -hmm. immediately just making everything cozy and an explosion of red and green and Christmas. (laughs) So my first question for you is what is your essential Christmas time, Advent time thing, where it doesn't feel like Christmas until you do it? Ooh,
1: let's see. Well, I used to work retail, and part of that was they would send us a CD every month that we had to play with the music on it. (laughs) And starting in September, it was 25% Christmas music. And it would increase 25% until it was 100% Christmas music in December. So I cannot listen to Christmas music anymore <laughs> until the day after Thanksgiving. In my home, if I hear it before then, I have flashbacks. Right. <laughs> I try to call customer service to get some help. It's, yeah. So the day after Thanksgiving is, for me, when I can start to really get focused on Christmas. Because before then, it's kind of been a rush of other holidays and other things trying to get going. And then moving into December, uh, I put up my little like Christmas scene, which is some little candles, a little LED candle so so I don't burn my condo down. Fair. Fair. (laughs) Yeah. And my little tiny Christmas tree because I don't have a lot of space, but just little ones with little tiny ornaments. So when I get that all set up, that's when I'm like, all right, now we're in the cozy season. Like right. you said, it's especially because it's dark 90% of the time now. I like to have these little shiny light things in my home. And that's what increases the coziness for me, too.
0: I love that. I love that. I also totally feel the like Christmas starts in September in retail yes. because I have 1000% like a toddler thrown a to fit inside a Target, being like, it is not even Halloween. Mm-hmm. Why are there Christmas trees? Oh, yeah. But. You know, oh,
1: yeah. capitalism. Every year, every year, Christmas creep. The Christmas <laughs>
0: creep. I've never heard it called that. Oh,
1: yeah. And it just gets earlier and earlier. It feels like every, every year.
0: Yeah. It's till, yeah, until we get into like Christmas in July. And then it's just like, psych, it's Christmas all yeah. the time now. <laughs> we love Christmas. Yes. <laughs> I love that. So you've talked about the things that make it feel like Christmas to you. What are things that you love about this time? What I love about
1: this time, it feels like people are more willing to be accepting of each other. Mm -hmm. Something about the fact that I think it's cold and dark means that you want to invite people into a warm space, into your home with you, and you want to share things with them. Part of that being the gift giving built around a lot of the, the holidays this time of year, but it just also feels like you've worked very hard all year to have some time off generally around this time, if you can. So you want to spend that with your friends and your family and you want to do it in like a warm, cozy place. Because again, where we live, it gets chilly, you know, not as cold as some places, but still chilly. Right. (laughs) So you want to share that coziness and that connection with people. And that's what I really love about it is the connecting part.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think even though it's dark, And sometimes that can bring some like sadness and sharpness to life. Mm -hmm. I do agree with you that there is this sort of like really like cozy and like just goodwill towards all people kind of vibe. Yes. That comes with the season. So, sort of in the same vein, what is something that feels hard about this season? Well, you've noticed I've said how dark it gets. Yes. Right. (laughs) Quite frequently. Right. Yeah. I
1: have a general anxiety disorder. And part of that is that when it gets so dark, um, you know, so early on, especially now that we've done the daylight savings fallback thing, and you wake up and it's dark, and by the time I finish work, it's dark, it just always feels like you're existing in this very twilight space, a lot of the daylight hours you spend indoors. Yep. You know, uh, in my case, at least I can see outside <laughs> because I work from home. So I can look out the patio and see the sunlight and I'll take my dog for her little afternoon jaunt. But a lot of my free time is now time when it's dark outside. And something in my brain just says, even though it's 6.30 p.m., I look outside, i like, must be midnight. And it doesn't feel like I have any time to myself anymore that I would usually spend to, like, go out on a walk or just wander around uh, you know, a public space and just feel like be around people because mm-hmm. one is a safety issue with sure. being it's so dark and the other is that I just don't want to be outside when it's dark and cold. Yeah, <laughs> Very infrequently does, does that happen. So it's difficult sometimes to push myself into that going out to connect with people even though it's something I like to do because just the... The dark of it all (laughs) makes it feel like a barrier.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's like the the joy and the things that you really love are really bumping up against the things that are really hard, Mm -hmm. and that yeah, and it can
1: throw them into sharp relief. Which is also why I think so many people love Christmas lights and candles and the the advent candles and everything because this time of year is so. Dark, yeah, <laughs> that we any bit of light and joy we can bring into it becomes even more precious,
0: absolutely, absolutely, because yeah. we're really missing all of the vitamin D from our, from our oh, summer yeah. and spring, <laughs> yeah. Well, in here, one of the things that I find especially challenging about that here in Atlanta is that it gets cold, mm-hmm. not as cold as some, as you mentioned, yeah. but it d- <laughs> in my opinion, it gets cold here. But it doesn't snow. And so there's no, like, sort of reason to be drawn outside mm-hmm. for fun. Because it's like, when I'm outside, my feet are cold, my hands are cold, my nose is cold. Like, I'm like a 101 Dalmatian. Like, <laughs> my feet are cold. Yeah. My nose is cold. And I just want to go back inside. But then inside, we risk that isolation and that separation.
1: Exactly. Especially this past these past two years at this point. Um, being able to bring other people into your space has been difficult, right? And so it's really added to that isolation feeling. Uh, I, I I keep saying not as cold as some places because I grew up in Northeast Ohio, and oh, it gets really cold there. <laughs> and yeah, and one of the place I grew up is actually one of seven places in the world. Which I learned this little fact in a weather and climate course in college. Come on, fact one—it's <laughs> one of seven places in the world that gets lake effect snow. So the cold air blowing across Lake Erie causes extreme snowfall <laughs> in this one little snow belt part of Ohio. And so I'm right on the—I grew up right on the edge of that in Lorain County. Shout out Northeast Ohio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so there would be times of year where it would start snowing in October and then just continue on into like February, March, sometimes into April. And this was more when I was a child, we would get these extremely heavy snowfalls. And it was always such a surprise because snow is quiet. It's not something you think about. When it's raining, you can hear it. Right. But when it's snowing, especially at night, you usually don't hear it or see it. And then you wake up in the morning and it's so bright white outside. Yeah. And there's just piles of snow. And sometimes it means you don't go to school. That was my favorite thing. Right. (laughs) When you didn't go to school the next day. Uh, when you're an adult, they generally expect you to go to work. And that's when I realized I like snow days and not snow. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is different.
0: But you mentioned something that I, I think is really important for us to talk about, which is that over the past almost two years, we've been in this COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are people who believe in science and so have done our utmost to keep ourselves and other people safe. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. has brought just a lot of consequence to that action, right? Like the action of caring for people brings the consequence of feeling more isolated Mm -hmm. and being more confined to your like small pot of people or Mm -hmm. your home or whoever you've been with. But I think that that's really interesting as we consider the season of Advent. We talk a lot about Christmas in Advent just because like that's when the stores are playing 100% Christmas music yes. <laughs> and we put our Christmas trees up and we have all of the little like Haiga cozy hot chocolates and blankets thing. Um, but the season leading up to Christmas day is this waiting period where even though socially and in our beautiful society, we sort of have arrived at Christmas, mm-hmm. the day after Thanksgiving. Yes. But in the church, we're still sort of doing this season of waiting. We're, we're waiting for Jesus to be born. And I think that that's a really interesting thing for us to think about in light of the pandemic, because mm-hmm. I think we've been doing a lot of waiting. Mm-hmm. And I think especially if, if appropriate for today, because we're talking about hope, How do you feel like the last two years have impacted your perspective on hope? Ooh,
1: It's been difficult, obviously. (laughs) Right, right. Um, Especially in the beginning, I would say like early March, April, May of 2020, when we weren't really sure how COVID was spreading, how to keep ourselves and others safe, how long this could possibly last. And when we would be able to get together again with friends and family, it was really hard to hang on to to hope just because there was no end in sight. We were still trying to figure out exactly what was going on. Right. And as we got more towards the end of 2020 and we realized that vaccines could be on the way uh, sooner than we we thought they would be, that we'd be able to see people again, um, a lot and all of my friends that I knew were masking. And so some of us would see each other outside at like a little bit of a distance. So there was little things you could sort of cling on to. Yeah. But it was still difficult to say, you know, oh, I. you kept saying, oh, I, I can't wait until we do blah, blah, blah. So these little bits of hope were kind of what you were clinging to. Yeah. Then in twenty twenty one it felt like maybe May and June were like the high points, like, yeah, Yeah, like we did (laughs) it. We did it. We made it. Exactly. And then we realized we weren't quite out of the woods yet. And so it's one of those things where I think church is important. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah, church is important. (laughs) Because like you said, there's so much emphasis put on waiting. Yeah. In a society where things are instant. And so I've been going to church since, essentially since I was born. Like my mom grew up uh, in a very uh, church-going household, and she did the same thing with me. And I kind of lapsed for a little bit there in college, but then moving to Atlanta, I actually found St. Mark Mm -hmm. and this church family that I love. And so getting back into that mindset of there are things that we don't know when they're going to happen, how it's going to come about. And we're not really sure what we can do to speed up that process or help it come about. Yeah. All you can do is kind of be there for the people who are in your life yeah. and express your love for them and then keep going forward. I think that's, yeah, like you said, church is about waiting. Mm-hmm. And part of that waiting is being a community together and working towards that goal of preparing everyone for the coming of Jesus. Versus it's Christmas now. Santa came in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It is Christmas. Right. You owe us all 25 ornaments <laughs> by the end of the day. You know, that's right. Exactly. And just the instantaneous nature of of capitalism. Right. Yeah. I mean, We yeah. just have to kind of yeah. name we have that's to the say truth. It. Yeah. The instantaneous nature of capitalism. Uh, kind of decoupling yourself from that and saying okay things happen when they happen you know I will do my best to keep myself and my friends and my family safe in the meantime and I will listen to guidance but I'm just gonna take things as they come it's hard it's a process that I've been working on yeah for other things as well in my life beyond just COVID-19 but it's been easier once you let go or once I've learned to let go to say okay you know, I want, this is what I want to happen. For example, I have booked my mother a flight. I haven't seen her now in two years because yes, of COVID-19. Mom! Yes, She's going to come down to Atlanta and spend Christmas with me. Love
2: that. Yes.
1: And all of that hinges on so many little things that are kind of out of our control. Yeah. But that's just something that I'm hoping <laughs> will happen. And so it's like, okay, you know, we've done what we can. She's gotten... All of her shots, including the booster, she still wears her mask. You know, I still wear my mask when I'm out and about. Uh, She's preparing herself mentally to meet my dog. (laughs) She is not really a dog person.
0: But your dog is so sweet. She is very
1: sweet, but she's also bigger than any dog I've owned previously in my life. I had a Chihuahua and a Maltese growing up, and now my dog is uh, an Australian cattle mix. So she's a little bigger, not huge. But there's all these, so my mom is hoping (laughs) that the dog will behave. You know, there's all these little things that we're mentally preparing ourselves for and doing what we can to help those things come about. Yeah. But otherwise, we're just seeing
0: what happens. Yeah. Well, and I think that that is something that's really beautiful about just the cycle of things as well as the cycles of church is Mm -hmm. like, we do hit these ebbs and flows where we feel hopeful and then we don't. and We Mm -hmm. feel hopeful and we don't. And there are things that we hold on to that when they arrive, it's like, yes. Like it finally made it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure that when your mom steps off of that plane, you'll be like, yes. Like it finally is here. And I think that that is just something that we as Christian people who are observing the seasons it's important for us to, like, just, like, pause and remember this. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, this hopeful thing that we're waiting on. Because we hope for lots of things. Mm-hmm. But, like, you are saying, like, just sort of the nature of capitalism and the nature of kind of the busyness of our society is that sometimes we fail to stop mm-hmm. and really notice, oh, like, I, you really are hoping that your mom's going to arrive here in Atlanta for Christmas. And, like, yeah. get to have that experience. So... We've been in the pandemic now long enough that we are sick of talking about the pandemic, (laughs) and yet it's ever present with us here. Yeah, yeah. So what's something that you were waiting for last year at this time that Uh, you feel like has sort of arrived?
1: Oh, well, again, kind of going back to COVID. Last year this time, I enrolled in a vaccine trial. And so that was before we really knew when people would start to get them. And I thought this would be my best chance of getting a vaccine at any point soon. And I was just undergoing the first sort of rounds of tests and questionnaires, and they were doing like blood draws to make sure I was on a base level that was okay to participate. Yeah. And I got my first shot in late December of last year. It was actually a series of four shots, because what they did was two of those shots were a placebo and okay. then the next two were um, the actual vaccine. They didn't tell you which is which because it's a blind study. Right. <laughs> yeah. So
0: some people got the shots first and then exactly. the placebos and some people did the placebo. Yeah, because and the they shot.
1: were kind, and there was enough time in between the uh, the first set of two and then the second set that they were monitoring the people who they knew got the shot to make sure everything was okay before they uh, did a blinded crossover, right. I guess is what it's called. But at that point, I was like, this is where I think things will start to turn around. I will feel better going out into public, even though I'll still be taking precautions, that I won't be infecting anyone, and in turn, they won't be infecting me. And so there's just all these little things where I have to like reintegrate myself into this new normal. Yeah. <laughs> And become a human being that goes out and is, like, sometimes in the office now again. Right. <laughs> where I'm, like, I had to put on hard pants. Right. <laughs> the structure. Exactly.
0: And shoes. Like, oh, I don't know about this. I totally feel that. I feel like I have, like, wandered into, like, an apocalyptic moment of like consent culture where Mm -hmm. i'm like walking into target with my little mask on and someone's not wearing a mask and i'm like i did not consent to your germs oh yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and something i actually was talking about with someone was that i was hoping this would be a moment where consent culture kind of broke away from like a sexual connotation right to being like hey are you okay with hugging are you yes. okay if we, if I take my mask off because I'm fully vaccinated? Just asking people things rather than doing them and waiting for them to say, ooh, actually. Or in some cases, in my case, suffering quietly. You're like, oh, no, you're going to do that. But I was hoping that people saying, this is what my intent is. Is that all right with you? It would become more of a thing. I think we've kind of lost that now. It's kind of been lost in the, the noise of many things right so I'm hoping we can kind of get back to that it's just something it's like these are little things now that these are now new points of hope to cling to like yeah there are more people adhering to the social contract of I don't want to get sick and I don't want to get you sick right right <laughs> and I don't want you to get me sick you know yeah the, the kind of unspoken <laughs> end to that loop that we're like and this is how we do it, <laughs> this is how we do it. <laughs> that I had to do that legally oh uh, absolutely <laughs> But more people adhering to that social contract and saying, this is how we now begin to move out of these past two years, Yeah, that's, I think, better than we were last year.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's more Jesus in that than we collectively even realize, because at the moment in history when Jesus entered society was a time where there was so much brokenness and there was so much just societal turmoil mm-hmm. and I find myself thinking as we kind of enter the second advent of pandemic you know last year was like I feel like we were like in the thick of it yeah I feel like we are in the thick of it in a different way this year but I really feel like the hope of some sort of unifying presence or some sort of unifying thing is really present for me this year like that I am hopeful for us to figure out how to move pandemic out of our kind of like society and into like endemic or whatever Mm -hmm. COVID is going to be. But I think that there is this just amount of holiness that I find in this time where we are really, at least I've been really reflective on what the past two years have been Mm -hmm. and how important my faith has been through this season and how it will be important into the next season, that there's not this sort of arrival point of my humanity with my faith. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious for you, like, how do you conceive of your faith now in this sort of season through the lens of hope Mm -hmm. than maybe before pandemic? I think something you just mentioned
1: about there not being an arrival point Mm -hmm. is something that I've recently come to more internalize with my faith than I had a lot previously. Uh, I grew up in that kind of contemporary evangelical non-denominational Christian culture mm-hmm. where it didn't feel like we were on any kind of journey, at least to me as a young child. It just felt like there were certain things that you did including going to church, uh, sometimes going to like the youth services, It's like various points that you kind of hit, like in your little checklist of the things to do throughout the week. And that was kind of it. Like there wasn't, the churches that we went to, it didn't feel like there was any part of your faith that folded into the rest of your life. Mm. A lot of what I learned about that came from my mom, who had a much different childhood in terms of how faith folded into her life, where it was, you know, the church was part of the community, and they brought that, into every aspect of their lives um and she did the same with me and so there was a kind of a weird disconnect between what I was experiencing at home and what mm-hmm. my mom was teaching me what I would see at church and then what I would see at school which was I went to especially um sixth grade through twelfth grade I went to the only non-religious non uh all boys, all girls, private school on the west side of Cleveland. This is very specific. Right, yeah. (laughs) And at this point, I think you could do some Googling and figure out where I went to school. But the kids I went to school with were, because of that little intersection, (laughs) the bunch of different intersections, there were more people with the last name... um, Oh, my gosh. Well, all the Smiths, I remember, were related at some, okay. in some way. Sure. And then there were just, like, a bunch of kids who were from, like, India, Pakistan, that sort of region, uh, and a lot of them weren't even related. Like, the all the same last name, which is now totally escaping my mind, which is awful. But it was a window into a new sort of world for me, whereas, mm-hmm. like, there are a lot of different religions, and I knew this, but, like, actually getting to meet these people and like meet like Sikhs and Jains and Hindus and Muslims, Jewish people. I think there were some Buddhists thrown in there, you know, and atheists, which (laughs) hadn't been as expressed to me as like this is I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any of this. Yeah. But all of that opened my eyes up to people experiencing their faith in a completely different way than I was. And so now, with all that sort of background (laughs) meshing into the mess that is Amber, uh, now I'm on this journey where coming to St. Mark and being like, oh, I have checked off coming to church this week. Yes, good job me. But that's not where it ends. It is an ongoing journey of how do I bring what I've learned in the church out into the world And that's encouraged and not just in the evangelical, you know, go tell three people about Jesus and then report back on how you did. It's okay, now go and live your life in a way that makes people say, Amber seems to be operating on a different level than I am. I would like to know what she is doing that, that does that. It's like, oh, well, you know. And I would go into, again, this very long explanation, all these things. <laughs> but And the part of that is I'm on a journey. And really, my journey will end when I die. Yeah. And so <laughs> there's no point in my life when I will be st- stop journeying, which is hard, I think, for people to accept.
0: Right.
1: Because you want to be done. I Lord knows I love to sit down. It's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> love to sit down, take a nap. But... In your faith journey, that's not really something that's possible. Or if it is, that's not where you want to be. You have to keep kind of pushing yourself forward uh, and exploring what it means. And so I kind of forgot what the question was. That's okay. I think where I was going with this is that especially with the pandemic, And not attending church in the traditional way I'm used to, where we've moved online, and I did that a lot, and then sort of this new hybrid thing where sometimes they'll be in person, sometimes they'll be online. I'm like, okay, that actually forced me to pay attention to the lesson a little bit more rather than focusing on the sensations of just being in the church, which is its own thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's really, I'm like, okay, listening to this, really listening now, what does this mean for me? And how do I live that, not just for this week, but how do I integrate it into my life? Right. I think that's something I've tried to become more conscientious about as I move forward.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's like the journey is the destination. Exactly. Rather than like the arrival point. Yeah. And a lot of that has also come with me becoming more suspicious of capitalism. (laughs) Which I think pandemic did for all of us who have oh, been paying yeah. attention. Yes. <laughs> so the the final question that I have for you, Amber, is you know the the purpose of this podcast, the title of our podcast is "Less Lonely, More Loved," ordinary people exploring our queries of faith. And I think that one of the things that comes with pandemic, that comes with suspicions of capitalism, that comes with suspicions of uh, structures of power, mm-hmm. is a breakdown in some ways of our faith structures that sounds like you and I grew up with perhaps similar faith structures, where there is this special prayer that you pray, these special boxes that you check, Mm -hmm. this special seat in a physical heaven with a sky daddy. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of breakdown of that. And so my question, my final question for you is, what is something in your faith journey about your faith that can be a, like a small truth or a sweeping statement, but what's something that has made you feel less lonely and more loved?
1: Uh, I think it was when I realized that there was nothing I could do that would cause me to lose salvation. Mm-hmm. I think growing yeah. up, uh, sometimes you got the kind of fire and brimstone if you don't do this, God will be so mad at you. If you do X, Y, Z, you're no longer going to heaven. Even after you've gotten up and you've accepted Christ and you say, this is who I am now, uh, there was some possibility that it could be taken away from you. And. Like I said, I have an anxiety disorder, which I did not know as a child. But looking back, it's like, this makes a lot of sense. So when you tell an anxious child, (laughs) uh, hey, there's a possibility you will go to hell if you don't do exactly what you're supposed to do, and then kind of leave the exactly what you're supposed to do a little up in the right, air. Right, like very nebulous. Exactly. Yeah. That was not great. And so <laughs> there was a lot of concern and worry over, am I doing the right thing? And I think that's also what caused me to kind of just say, well, I'm just going to check these boxes. yeah, And then I won't do anything else just to prevent the possibility that that will be the thing where God's like, ooh, ooh, no, 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 mm, no, thank you. Get out of here. Shoo, shoo, shoo. Yeah. And so... Uh, I think having a little bit of a break from the church uh, in college and then coming back of my own volition, not because my mom said, it's 9 a.m., time to go to go to church, put on your nice dress and your shoes, Yeah, you know, doing it is something I chose to do. And then sitting down and really thinking, what does Christianity mean to me? What does being a Christian mean to me? How do I express that in my everyday life without being... of those people on the street with like a billboard yelling at people that they're not doing it right right you know it's like well if i didn't want to be told (laughs) but this certain thing why would i tell someone else that right Uh, and then thinking well maybe that just wasn't even true maybe that was someone else expressing their own concerns over their actions to me i just didn't realize that because i was a child And you just, as a kid, generally believe what adults tell you. At least you trust that they're an adult. They know what's going on. And not only that, they're the pastor. Surely they know what's happening. Accepting that, hey, pastors are people. And sometimes they put their own personal issues in front of you. And being able to say, hmm this doesn't quite jive with what I've read in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't quite click with the, you tell me that God is love, but then also that God might not love me because I did something that you don't like. There was just all these little things of being like, wait a second. <laughs> I think a lot of what I was taught were people's personal biases overlaid with the gospel to give it just a smidge of a ring of truth. And so me being like, okay, I I have to accept that when I said, I am a Christian, I believe in Jesus, uh, I'm going to do that, that was it. There was, not, there was no turning back from that point. And there's nothing that I can do that would make God say, no, you're out of here. Yeah, That's when I was able to like ease into, <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah. like just really, and that's where I started to accept that it's a faith journey yeah. and not a series of steps that you have to take. It's, mm-hmm. You're, you just keep walking, and that, in that sense, I guess it is a series of steps. But it, it's not a checklist. It's sometimes you make a wrong turn, and you have to kind of walk yourself back and say, that's not, that's not right for me. Right. I'm gonna learn from that experience and move on yeah. <laughs> and do something else. Yeah, part, like part of a journey is sometimes you do pause and you think is this where I'm supposed to be? Yeah. No, I think I have to keep moving. It's just little things like that and letting go and having the, the grace to say, I don't know what's really happening because I am but a, a person. I can only read, you know, what's been written. I can only talk to other people who have experience or who have studied these sort of things and fold all of that into my ongoing understanding of what's happening. Um, There's no wrong way to be a Christian. I should walk that back. There are some things you can do as a Christian that are very hurtful to other people, and I think that's wrong. Right, yes. (laughs) But there's no absolute one way to be Christian. Yeah. There are Christian people, the same way that there's no one American ideal person. There are just a bunch of people who have the label American, and we're all trying to figure it out. Right? You know, like, I think if people started to understand Christianity, maybe more in those aspects, that we are trying to follow the best we can a very high example, the highest example there ever could possibly be. And we're not going to do it quite right.
0: Yeah.
1: But as long as we're trying to follow that example in a way that uplifts everybody Mm -hmm. and doesn't beat someone down because they're not following the example the way I think they should or – uh, I just don't like the way you're dressed. <laughs> right. Yeah, something, you know, just really weird, superficial things or things that people can't change about themselves. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't like that part about you. It's like, well, that sounds like a you problem. Yeah. <laughs> because, again, that's not going to change how God feels about me. Right. So you you either have to accept it and move on or just remove yourself from the situation and move on. Right. Like, either way, I'm not going to change. God's love for me isn't going to change and that's the core of it, I think. Yeah, is that understanding that because I was I was saved once, I don't have to go back up every Sunday, which kind of felt like it at one point, <laughs> and say I'm still here. Like I'm our, God already knows. That's right. And just yeah, really yeah. internalizing
0: that. Like you can't. Sure. You can't undo (laughs) that most important of things. Absolutely. And I would even suggest we walk it back a step further and say, because we were created in the image of God, we are loved and saved Mm -hmm. for all of the many purposes that God has for us. And if we are doing our best to love one another and to love ourselves and to do justice in our world, Mm -hmm. then, like, we're succeeding. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, Amber, this has been absolutely so delightful oh good i'm glad (laughs) thank you so much for being here of course and i think that amber is leaving us today with super wise words which is um that god loves us and there's nothing else that we can do to change that to make god love us more or less that god just loves us because of who we are and i think that that can make all of us feel a little bit less lonely and a little bit more loved indeed awesome all right everybody we'll see you next week
2: This podcast is a production of the Young Adult Ministry and the Communications Ministry at St. Mark United Methodist Church of Atlanta.
0: The views and opinions expressed here on this podcast are ours, and not necessarily those of St. Mark United Methodist Church or its ministries.
2: We operate under an Adobe Standard license for all music and sound included on this podcast. To find out more about who we are and what we believe head to our website at stmarkumc.org. That's stmarkumc.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at stmarkumcatl and on YouTube at stmarkumcatlanta. Episodes of Less Lonely, More Loved will be released every Tuesday and Friday during Advent and will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, and more. If you enjoy the podcast, or even if you don't, we would love to hear your thoughts, questions, and comments. Send all emails to mcesari at stmarkumc.org. That's m as in Mary, C E S A R I, at stmarkumc.org. We hope you will continue to engage with us, either in person or in one of our many virtual spaces. As always, all are welcome.